Wrestling fans, how you doing? You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. Welcome to Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews, here to bring you the front-to-end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. Graham, a pleasure as always. We are just two days away from No Mercy, a SmackDown Live event, and tensions have never been higher. Our main event picture looks picture perfect. In the main events, we have the Irish last kicker, Becky Lynch, squaring off against the Harlequin, Alexa Bliss. Then we have a triple threat for the WWE World Championship with AJ Styles defending his title against John Cena and Dean Ambrose. What are your thoughts about these two tumultuous situations heading into No Mercy? And what does that mean about the title of No Mercy? The entire card is stacked for Sunday, but the two matches I'm most looking forward to are what you just mentioned, Tom. The women's championship match between Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch. And the main event between Styles, Cena, and Ambrose. Um, bringing back No Mercy for the first time in almost eight years. A show last headlined by Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels in a ladder match. A feud that had no mercy between the two, and this show on Sunday should be no different. Uh, you talk about No Mercy, you talk about Cena, Ambrose, AJ, all of whom have their sights set on the WWE World Championship. No love lost between these three competitors. We've seen that quite clearly in the past couple of weeks on SmackDown. Alexa Bliss, no difference, uh, and no different with her, and Becky Lynch, and a lot of tension in the women's division right now on the blue brand a lot of tension between becky lynch and alexa bliss where alexa bliss seemingly out of nowhere was somehow able to maneuver her way through the rest of the smackdown women's division and get right in the face of becky lynch to the point where nikki bella and carmella naomi natalia they're all off bothered with other things leaving alexa bliss the sole predator after becky lynch's title and i can i can't imagine that that doesn't get under Becky's skin a little bit. Alexa has this very manipulative way of finding herself right in front of your face, and then she has the skill set to pull it off. I respect Becky Lynch as our champion more than anything, but right now, Alexa Bliss looks like a threat. She definitely has the quickness. She has an underhandedness about her to pull out a win by any means necessary. What do you think about the, the chances of Alexa Bliss walking out as a champion and getting a win, a quick win, over uh, the Irish last kicker. The chances are pretty high. I mean, you look at the past four weeks, there's not been one occurrence in the past month where Alexa Bliss has not gotten the better of Becky Lynch. She became the number one contender to the title initially. She beat her in tag team actions past week. She attacked her at the contract signing a few weeks back. She attacked her before a match a few weeks ago as well. Alexa Bliss has momentum on her side. As much as it's about Alexa Bliss on Sunday, Becky Lynch has something even more to prove than Alexa does. Alexa has yet to hold singles championship gold in WWE, NXT, what have you. Becky Lynch, this is her premier title defense. If she fails on Sunday, it'll solidify her spot. It's not only the first ever SmackDown Women's Champion, but the biggest failure of a champion to date. She really has something to prove on Sunday when going up against, as you said, the Harley Quinn of WWE. Something to prove is exactly what it is. I think Becky Lynch goes out there and has to prove herself every time she's in that ring. When you're the, the, the new SmackDown Women's Champion, every all eyes are on you and every bit of competition is coming your way. So no matter how prepared you are, you have to go out there and prove it. And Becky Lynch is a complete fighter. She's nose down, she trains hard, and she takes after in a totally different light 
the same type of mental preparation that I feel that Charlotte puts in on the raw side of things. So two very focused competitors, but Becky Lynch is a fighter. She's way more focused than what Charlotte has become. Charlotte used to have that fighter's mentality, used to have that you know, just the, that absolute drive. And obviously that did not go her way this week, and we'll get to that. But Becky Lynch, for my money, she's going to be walkout of no mercy as the victor in this match. Uh, I believe that Alexa Bliss has an opportunity to uh, pull something over on, on the champ here, but I think Becky Lynch's experience being champion uh, now for a good a good short period here, good run, uh, is going to give her the competitive advantage. She knows what she's protecting. Well, it's been quite the journey for Becky Lynch up to this point for the Irish last kicker, and that it's tough to win the championship. It's tough for her to hold on to that championship, and Becky Lynch is quickly figuring that out in her and a ruthless rivalry with Alexa Bliss over the past month. So as much as I can see Alexa Bliss taking that title and you know proving her point on Sunday and becoming this rising rookie in the blue brand, I do think that Becky Lynch, i got to agree, comes out on Sunday as the still the SmackDown Women's Champion. Now whether it was their contract signing or just some of the, the, the backstage interviews that they've done, obviously for every point Alexa tries to bring up to Becky, Becky has a very heartfelt counterpoint. And I feel like the both of them are coming in almost as even competitors. The I give the edge to the champ. I think Becky. I think Becky takes it on this one. She has experience on her side, so I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, and, and and similarly, when we look at the world championship uh, triple threat match with AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, and John Cena, I think that the champ also gets the nod in this in this scenario. You have a very contentious relationship right now between John Cena and Dean Ambrose. And obviously, John Cena and Dean Ambrose have no love affair with AJ Styles whatsoever. But AJ has the championship's advantage. Talk to me about that. I think going into this matchup is that Cena, once again, a lot like with Alexa Bliss, the momentum is on the side of John Cena and Dean Ambrose. Both men have something very much to prove on Sunday, that Dean Ambrose so desperately wants to, go, gets the gold, wants to get the gold back in his grasp, whereas John Cena, if he can win on Sunday, becomes a history-making blockbuster-breaking, 16-time world champion, which has never been done with the exception of Ric Flair. AJ Styles has been overlooked in this entire thing. He's been the third wheel in this WWE World Championship picture for the past month now. And if he can somehow eke out a victory, not even having done the work, it can be Cena laying out Ambrose with the attitude adjustment, and then Styles coming in to steal the victory, or vice versa with Ambrose laying out John Cena with the dirty deeds, what have you. I gotta agree that while AJ has been kind of overlooked in this entire scenario, I just don't see any other outcome than him coming out on Sunday. Still, the WWE World Champion. He's he's got the most uh, uh, ability. He's got this ability to have a game plan, whereas Dean Ambrose has to not only fend off uh, John Cena and pin AJ, pin AJ or Cena, but but you're 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 dealing with both of them. Whereas AJ can take a step back outside of this and let. Uh, John Cena and Dean Ambrose go at it with, with each other. So I think that uh, what AJ Styles brings to this match is a level of speed and agility that Dean Ambrose and John Cena don't necessarily have. Let's just put it out there. AJ Styles is phenomenal in his role as champion. Like him or hate him, AJ Styles is champion for a reason. He's on top for a reason. He is the face that runs the place. He's beaten John Cena. He's beaten Dean Ambrose. Have both of those men gotten wins over AJ Styles? Yes. But AJ Styles in a triple threat match where he doesn't have to be pinned to lose his championship does give him a vulnerability that either of those two other competitors can expose. What do you think we'll see here as far as 
the fact that we have no DQ, the fact that this could sprawl out anywhere, do you think that'll be distracting for them? Because these are mostly in-ring competitors. Outside of maybe Dean Ambrose, he's the one that has probably the most outside-the-ring experience doing things uh, a little bit more uh, brutally. Uh, but w where do you see the, the match going? Do you think it's going to be more technical? Do you think it's going to be more brawler? Or do you think we're going to see uh, a lot of agility? Well, I will say this much. While I hope we see a little bit of everything, agility, brawling, fight, pretty much everything what you just said right there, what I hope not to see is what we saw at Clash of Champions with involvement from the authority, management, Jericho. The best thing about SmackDown right now is that none of these top guys, Cena, Ambrose, or AJ, have any real allies on the blue brand. The club is on Raw. Cena doesn't really have any uh, established friends in WWE. Same thing with Ambrose. Roman Reigns is on Raw. The club's well, on Raw. Especially think of the people that have come to John Cena's aid in the past. The Usos. Not going to happen anymore. Not, not at this point. Okay, Dolph Ziggler. Could be on his way out. Completely preoccupied with the, the his retirement potential during his match with The Miz for the Intercontinental title. So you are absolutely right. And, and Dean Ambrose, absolutely nobody coming to his aid. You know, especially nobody that's going to be participating in the show right now. The only person I could think of that might be inclined to, to support one of them would be Randy Orton, but he has his hands tied with Bray Wyatt. So, like you said, there's really nothing for management, anyone outside to do, except for let these three guys fight it out. And I believe that AJ Styles will come out uh, on top, like it or hate it. I think uh, AJ Styles is going to be... Uh, uh, this A win for AJ Styles cements him truly as the moniker, as the face that runs the place. It gives, it gives him all the credibility in the world that he can, he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with two other top competitors quickly and neatly come out with a victory and, and, and continue on and making a big name for himself. So uh, I think that uh, these, both of these uh, uh, title matches, the uh, Women's Championship match, the World Championship match, are going to be the, the landmark matches of the night but that is not to say that the rest of the card is not as spectacular as we could have ever hoped for all of the things that have been building week by week between randy orton and bray wyatt have just become more sinister and more uh, methodically thought out than i've ever anticipated to see between the two of them neither one necessarily getting the one up over each other playing similar games getting down to that level what do you think about not only the build-up to this match, but what we might see in a match where Randy Orton takes on Bray Wyatt. It's completely unpredictable because we have yet to see these two. For the many years they've shared the WWE ring together, the, for the many years they've both been in, in this company, they have yet to go one-on-one. -on -one. We almost saw it a backlash, but Bray Wyatt injured Bray Wyatt, or in, Bray injured himself, injured Randy Orton before that Falcon come to fruition. Could we see something on Will the match even happen? That's even the bigger Will question. Will the match even happen? Will That's the match even happen? So that, that's really the thing, yeah. Being with, with Bray Wyatt and the way that things have been going, it's all mind games. It's mind games on us watching, and it's mind games against Randy Orton. And as much brutality uh, that Randy Orton uh, pushes onto Bray Wyatt, I still don't see Bray as, as many hits and lashes as he takes from the Viper. He's still Bray Wyatt the very next time we see him. Nothing has changed. Can Randy Orton really put a dent in the so-called God that is Bray Wyatt? And now that he's talking to Abigail again, where does that all factor in? What are Bray Wyatt's powers? We've seen him with a whole range of occult powers in the past. Will that play a factor against Randy Orton? You know, is it, is it something that distracting that will take Randy Orton away from his tried and true RKO and, and you know, one, two, three? 
Well, I, I, I want to believe that for as quick as Randy Orton is, Bray Wyatt can endure just that much more. And I think that should we see a completion to this match, that uh, potentially Bray Wyatt is going to come out on top. So I'm going to say Bray Wyatt is going to win that match. It's tough to say. It's really tough to say. I mean, there really isn't, unlike with the aforementioned feuds that we talked about, with the WWE World Championship picture, the SmackDown Women's Championship picture, Alexa Bliss had momentum on her side. Cena and Ambrose have had momentum on their side. Orton and Bray Wyatt's been very evenly matched, both mind games-wise and the ring. We haven't really seen much physical confrontation between them. I'm going to go Randy Orton. I feel like Bray Wyatt, when it matters most, he comes up short. I don't know whether it's against Orton. We saw him lose against Kane at Backlash. Certainly true by the numbers. I mean, you, you look at you look at his win-loss streak, and Bray Wyatt is definitely on the latter side. Compared to Randy Orton, yeah. Compared so. to Randy Orton especially. But uh, here's another quick thought for you. Reports of Luke Harper sightings have appeared in Santiago, Chile. And I wonder if we might see some uh, wide eye, the wide eyes of Luke Harper show up and potentially cause this feud between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt to go that much further. So I'd be, I, 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 I would be interested to see what role Luke Harper plays, if any, because uh, we currently don't have Luke Harper assigned to any brand. He, he was, he was uh, absent during that entire period pretty much breaking up the Wyatt family now with Eric Rowan completely out of the picture uh, due to injury, you know, clearly not using the same type of occult methods that Bray Wyatt is to stay in competitive shape. Uh, do we see another Wyatt family member pop out of the ether and, and, and really take out Randy Orton and give him, you know, cause clearly wins and losses may not even matter to the eater of worlds. So We'll see what Randy Orton has to endure and face against Bray Wyatt, but that is that unknown that Bray Wyatt brings to the match. And, uh, another huge unknown that we have going into Sunday right now is the future career of Dolph Ziggler. Now, this hit me out of nowhere, okay? I did not expect... I, I saw you know the, the weeks leading up to this, Dolph Ziggler in his backstage pro, uh, uh, promos and uh, even in the ring talking about clawing and fighting and, and, and coming up short. I did not expect it to lead to something where he would announce that he would put his career on the line just to get another crack at The Miz and his Intercontinental title. Now, has The Miz used every underhanded tactic, including his wife and hairspray in the book, to, get his, to retain his championship? Yes. But is he still championship? Yes. And Miz makes a great point. When you look at the numbers, it says Miz defeated Dolph Ziggler. It says Miz was Intercontinental Champion from this time to this time. It says Miz did this and Miz did this and Miz did this. And what did Dolph Ziggler do? He lost. So uh, I am uh, my heart is completely invested in Dolph Ziggler. I do not want to see him walk away from the ring ever. He is he is he's a tried and true like purity of what it means to be a, a, a pro wrestler, uh, and he, he walks the walk every single day. And to, to watch him walk away would be heartbreaking for me to see. What do you what do you feel like between Dolph Ziggler and the Miz right now? It seems like all these losses have really stacked up against Ziggler. Um, I was just trying to rack my brain for the last time Ziggler won a televised pay per view match. I'm not counting the win against Corbin at Payback, which was on the kickoff show. And I believe it was Night of Champions 2015. So it's been well over a year since Dolph Ziggler has won a match on pay per view. 
And we're talking about the Miz here. Like you said, when it when everyone counts him out, he comes out on top. Whether it's via nefarious means or what have you, he's beaten Darren Young. He's beaten Zack Ryder. He's beaten Cesaro, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, everybody. Apollo Crews to retain that Intercontinental Championship. Dolph Ziggler is no different. But for 10-plus years, this guy has been here. And a lot like with Bray Wyatt, the win-loss record really isn't on his side. But when it matters most on Sunday, it could be. And he could walk out a five-time Intercontinental Champion. So it's been a very... Probably my favorite thing going in WWE right now to watch what, you know, the animosity unfold between these two. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it culminate on Sunday. Now, Ziggler's had a lot of struggle race recently, right? Say Ziggler walks out of no mercy as the new Intercontinental Champion. What's next? That's he, exactly it. He, he's, he's scratched and clawed for this opportunity. A third opportunity to Miz. try and beat The Miz. Finally beats him. Let's say he does. Well, well, now what? Is The Miz just going to turn right around and ask for his rematch? Are we going to see this continue? Is it going to be a fourth match? And can Ziggler beat out The Miz in a fourth match of The Miz's own construction and design? I just don't know what it means for Dolph Ziggler if, if he's ready to put his career on the line for this one opportunity. Is he really thinking about the next step? Is he really thinking about, okay, so when I do win, because you got to go into it with that kind of attitude, I am going to win this match, right? If you do win, what does that mean for him as a champion? What is his champion prerogative? You know, is he going to go out there and try to be the fighting intercontinental champion that Daniel Bryan attempted to be? Is he going to go out there and try and carry that, that, that flag and, and basically do with what John Cena did to the U.S. title? and make it an open challenge literally every time he steps in that ring for that belt? Is he going to be that hardcore of a fighting intercontinental champion, travel the world, and really go against complete unknown competitors and put that belt on the line? That's what I want to see Dolph Ziggler do. That's the world-class international talent that Dolph Ziggler is. He can go anywhere in the world and put on a five-star match if he puts his heart into it. If he's scratching and clawing, he looks like a loser. He doesn't deserve to look like that. He absolutely doesn't. He has all of the focus, experience, and strength to pull out a a decisive victory over The Miz, hands down, one arm tied behind his back any day of the week. But The Miz has Maurice by his side. The Miz is also no slouch himself. He's only stepped up his game, and it has only become more rabid focus since re-signing his contract to stay on SmackDown Live, negotiating that after the fallout with Daniel Bryan. What do you think about the role that Maurice might play in this. She's played a role in the past two matches. You said yourself, both at Backlash and on the SmackDown rematch a few weeks back, using the hairspray, ensuring that Ziggler walks out not the Intercontinental Champion. I mean, Maurice has played a factor in pretty much every title defense that Miz has had up to this point. And I love what you said there because really Ziggler's only goal is to not lose. And if he doesn't lose, where does he go from here? So like you said, maybe if they do a fourth and another match, a fourth match, if he loses that, is his career over then? Like, if he loses the belt, is he... We're back to square one. So at least say what you will about The Miz and his overall motives, but he wants to be famous. He wants to be the guy. He wants to be the world champion. He wants to be the IC. He wants to be everything. Every little bit of gold candy that he can put around his arm, that's what he wants. Exactly. I mean, you can question that all you want, or at least how he gets it, but Ziggler doesn't really have that same motivation. He hasn't had it in a long time. The only motivation he has right now is to not lose. And I mean, obviously, when you're more desperate, that's when you're more hungry, that's when you're more dangerous. 
But in Ziggler's case, and that's why it might work in his favor on Sunday if he wins back the championship. But beyond that, what else does he want to achieve? I don't even think he wants to be IC champion. I just think he just does not want to. He doesn't want to lose again because, like right. you said, he looks like a loser. He is well, a loser. Well, then why not go out and you know? It, it, if, if say he does win, why not go out and put your career on the line every time, then? If that's, that's going to be your motivation, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, beat me and I lose, and I'm out, and I'm gone. And that shades of Ric Flair. If that is his, that that would build a legacy for Dolph Ziggler beyond anyone in one quick move. You beat the Miz, and you put your career on the line every time you step into that ring, and you do those impassioned speeches that he gives in the ring so very well. You know, maybe a little too well, maybe a little too much emotion, but. When your career's on the line, you get to have that much emotion. So if you do that every single time you step in that ring and you say, you beat me, you beat me fair and square. No underhandedness, no nothing. You beat me one, two, three, I leave. That's honorable. That is an honorable Intercontinental Champion that we haven't seen in some time. That's the type of Intercontinental Champion that Daniel Bryan wanted to be. That's for, that's for certain. He wanted to go up against real competition and talent. Instead, he went up against Roman Reigns. Anyway... <laughs> We move on to let's let let's let's jump in uh, to the kickoff. Okay, so I'm a big fan of watching the entire spectacle that uh, WWE produces on on Sundays, and and that includes the kickoff match, which I'm always eager to watch. Me as well. I think that for some reason there's a stigma with some of the wrestlers. They'll they'll come out and say it out loud that you know their match got moved to the pre-show or something like that, and they're they're not exactly thrilled about it. I completely disagree. I think that that is the match for wrestling fans. If you're a true WWE wrestling fan, you do not miss that match. Those you're are just the people a, that tune in, though. If you're a casual WWE wrestling fan, you're, you're, you're probably eating chips and not totally paying attention while everything's going on. Every way, talking to your friends and, and commenting and, and what have you. But if you are a true WWE wrestling fan, then you know that you watch every single pre-show match, and it's a must-see. For me, it's always must-see because these these are the rising stars. These are the people that are going to start making major plays coming down the line. Who's been in? Who who have we traditionally seen in a lot of kick, uh, kickoff matches, especially on the SmackDown side? The Usos. Where are they now? Where are the Usos now? They are in a tag team championship match. That's where these spots lead to. So you know, even look at Cesaro. Cesaro is a constant, you know, uh, pre-show kickoff type of guy for a little while. Now he's right in the mix to go for for a major contention there. So the Miz, the Miz, he was Mister Pre-Show for many years. And look where he is and now. And it just builds a rapport for the type of quality that you have and what you deliver to true pro wrestling fans out there. So for this kickoff match, given that that kind of umbrella, how do you feel about Jack Swagger going up against Baron Corbin? Baron two, Corbin, or oh, sorry, go no, ahead. no, two pretty big guys, similarly sized. Uh, and, I, and and Jack Swagger is obviously a little bit more tenured. So, well, I mean, like you said, Baron Corbin kind of fits that role right now. He's been in multiple kickoff matches this year against Apollo Crews, who we beat at Backlash. Dolph Ziggler, who we beat multiple times. Baron Corbin, really, I don't think it's really been said or acknowledged. I mean, even myself, I really haven't brought it up that this guy's been on quite the role, kind of a quiet role in recent months. He hasn't suffered many losses. I know he lost on Tuesday, but via... In controversial fashion, at the hands of Jack Swagger, I guess, or the feet, whatever, with the ankle lock. Um, but it, it's 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 going to be a hoss fight, which I'm what it, which is what I'm looking forward to most about this match. Their match on SmackDown was pretty good. 
uh, official, that kind of stuff aside, the match itself should be really, really well wrestled. Jack Swagger seems more motivated now than he has in years. So if he can bring that motivation and that passion, that hunger to Sunday kickoff show and take the fight to Baron Corbin, he might be the one to decisively beat the Lone Wolf, one of the first of many. Uh, first of few, sorry. Dolph Ziggler has done it. I don't think many other people have beaten Baron Corbin in standard one-on-one -on -one competition. So if he could do that, he might be one step closer to uh, attaining his goal of becoming a more uh, prominent superstar in the SmackDown side of things. Uh, that absolutely uh, is going to be present the entire way through this match, that Baron Corbin does have a huge chip on his shoulder. He always does. He always comes in with that kind of arrogance about him, and that's something that Jack Swagger kind of just naturally secretes. He, always. He, 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 Jack Swagger does have an arrogance about him, but he also has a, a, a sweetness about him as well. That American pride, yeah. That, that, that kind of like American pride, the way that he, he carries himself, you know, Deep down, you can just see such a, a nice guy in Jack Swagger. Deep down in Baron Corbin, I see nothing but, you know, spite and resentment. So those two things clashing against each other. I want to say that Jack Swagger's coming in thinking that he's he, he's going in for a fight and Baron Corbin's coming in looking for blood. You know what I mean? And I think that's going to be the difference. And I, I think that that unfortunately gives me the, the, the nod towards Baron Corbin coming out as a victor on this. It's hard to say just because their last match ended so controversially. So did Jack Swagger really beat the Lone Wolf? That's why we're getting this rematch in the first place, as made by SmackDown General Manager Daniel Bryan. But yeah, like I said, momentum has been on the side of Baron Corbin for many months now. I think when it's a standard singles contest, he can always come out on top. And I think Jack Swagger is no different. We've seen them do battle before on WWE Superstars, WWE Main Event. The, stake, the stakes now are higher than ever before. This is pay-per-view, baby. This is no mercy. Um, I think when it comes right down to it, Baron Corbin comes out on top, solidifies his legacy in beating Jack Swagger, beating a former world champion. Many may uh, forget that as well. So moving one step closer to getting on title contention, hopefully, sooner rather than later for Baron Corbin on SmackDown. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick pause right now. We're going to do a little bit of raw headlines just so we can touch on a couple of the things that have been going on in the Monday night side of things uh, this week. We saw huge competition coming from a multitude of angles. I'm going to start with the cruiserweights here. There was a couple of really high-stakes uh, cruiserweight matches that were uh, really interesting to me in the sense that Brian Kendrick defeated WWE Cruiserweight Champion TJ Perkins in a singles competition match. Quick thoughts. Earning a potential rematch at Hell in a Cell. I mean, they've gone one-for-one one at Clash of Champions, now at, uh, on Monday Night Raw. Kendrick really bringing the fight to TJ Perkins in his hometown of Los Angeles. Another great match. Kendrick has really been, he, he's been on fire since coming back to the company. The CWC recently on Raw. It's been awesome to see, but I'm looking forward to that rubber match come hell in the cell, hopefully with a Cruiserweight Championship on the line. Kendrick has solidified his spot as the number one contender, no doubt in my mind. And continuing with the, the Cruiserweights here, Tony Nese defeated a very, very uh, ostentatious Rich Swan. What did you think? Did, did Rich Swan's kind of colorful ostentatiousness take away from his focus in that performance against Tony Nese? It might have. Tony Nese has really been looking impressive as well, as has Rich Swan since coming to Monday Night Raw. But you know that over charisma, not really focusing on on the game, the seriousness, not really getting into serious mode on Monday, might have cost Rich Swan the matchup. I mean, obviously he rebounded. Uh, he rebounded in NXT a few days later. 
But uh, Tony Nese is really quickly becoming one to watch in the Cruiserweight division on Raw. So I like how the Cruiserweight division is really kind of filling itself out currently on Monday Night Raw. Absolutely. And something else to really watch and pay attention to is the relationship between Cesaro and Sheamus. Now, they went up in uh, tag team match against uh, uh, a couple of jobbers. We got <laughs> Raul yeah. White and Mark Carradine. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus uh, de defeated them, um, but uh, also had quite a bit of difficulty dealing with each other. How long do you think this can last? Do you think that they're truly trying to go for for being to tag team champions on the Raw division? I don't think so. I mean, I think before, I mean, with Slater and Rhino, they really, while they didn't like each other at first, their overall goal, their overall goal was to become tag team champions. Cesaro does not care about the tag team titles. Neither does Sheamus. They want to become a singles champion on their own. So I think in the end, they don't go exist. Well, speaking of tag team titles, we had. Jericho, the gift of Jericho, graced the ring, and uh, Kevin Owens was his guest. And together, instead of, you know, Chris Jericho loosely alluding to the fact that, you know, he's not exactly asking Kevin Owens for a title match, but he wanted to ask him for uh, uh, to get his opinion on something else, he wanted to challenge the New Day for their tag team titles, beat them in a non-title match, and earn an opportunity for a title match, which... Uh, of course, they did not come out the victors on. Uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you feel about the fact that this is the first kind of bump in the road of Jericho? Jericho, yeah. yeah Jericho. I think going forward in LSL, <laughs> I think Seth Rollins has really proved to be a thorn in the side of both Jericho and Kevin Owens. He's really shown that Jericho has kind of alluded to it, not outright said it, but he wants the WWE Universal Championship. They collectively said they won the tag titles, but he has a sight set on that side. Seth Rollins is certainly driving that wedge between Jericho and Kevin Owens, but also making sure that uh, his ability to manipulate the scenario and be that architect is still uh, firmly in place. Now, uh, in other competition, other tag team competition, we saw Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson defeat the Golden Truth. Golden Truth, uh, uh, definitely not known for their winning streaks ever. Solid competition from Goldust, as always. Solid competition from R-Truth, as always. But Luke Gallows and Kyle Anderson are just that much stronger, that much more focused. And I think that the relationship that Goldust and R-Truth have is a little bit lighter. It's a little bit more about uh, going out there and... and uh, putting their heart into it, whereas I think Gallows and Anderson put their everything into it, and that's why they are still hot on the heels of the New Day and that and that tag team chase. Um, now, had a couple of other smaller uh, little uh, things popping up here. Braun Strowman, uh, Strowman uh, is uh, continuing his war path, uh, defeating Chase Silver, which, you know, if you if you read uh, things, you, see, you may have seen something on ESPN about Bill Goldberg. You may have seen a couple of things over here. I want to say that Bill Goldberg is going to be taking on Braun Strowman. That's a, I've heard a lot of Brock Lesnar thrown out there, but I want to say that Bill Goldberg's coming back to do one thing, and that's that's potentially uh, uh, face Braun Strowman, which I think would be a lot more uh, appropriate of a match for a, a returning Bill Goldberg to be a part of. But that's just me. Um, let's let, let let's skip everything else. I, I we need to spend at least a, a minute here, and I know time is of the essence here, but let's talk about Sasha Banks and Charlotte for just a minute and just how incredible that not only Charlotte's title being on the line not only Bailey taking out Dana Brooke backstage just moments before Charlotte was set to go out there no support Charlotte versus Sasha Banks 
for the WWE Women's Championship. And Sasha Banks takes the victory, our new women's champion. This was an incredible match on both sides, whether it was Sasha Banks' reversals at the end to, to, to get the bank statement completely locked in, tap out for the win, or it was Charlotte's corkscrew moonsault off the top rope to the outside floor, completely annihilating Sasha Banks in the most perfect, streamlined, woo, kind of <laughs> moment that you could ask for. I, for all of the things that I, I, I don't like about Charlotte's uh, you know, character towards other people, Dana Brooke included, you can't deny the level of competition she brings to that ring and why she has been such a champion the entire time that she has been on the main roster. What 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 are your impressions of that of that win by Sasha Banks? I mean, Charlotte has gone. Un- I mean, it's really telling for one thing first that Sasha Banks has won both of her Raw Women's Championships on Raw. She has yet to win them on pay per view. Charlotte is undefeated. She has yet to be pinned or submitted. On pay- oh, that's actually a lie. She lost a battle. But I'm talking about singles competition here. She has yet to lose a match uh, via pinfall one-on-one on a pay-per-view. And when they inevitably face off at Hell in a Cell, I'm sure maybe inside the cell, we'll see. I would hope so. If not, it's okay. But uh, Banks once again getting the better of Charlotte when there's no Dana Brooke in her corner, when it's one-on-one. In the main event, no less. The match itself was great. The moment of Banks regaining the gold was amazing. But the fact that it took the main event slot, our first women's main event on Raw... For the first time in almost 12 years, really to me was a testament to how WWE has really had this renewed focus on the women for the past year or so. Now, this is the real women's revolution. Not that Divas Revolution crap. This is the real women's revolution, having the main event uh, go to Sasha Banks and Charlotte. Very well deserved. Great match. Awesome moment. And as you said earlier with Dolph Ziggler, what's next? Does Charlotte, is she hungrier now than ever to get that title back? We kind of saw the same thing after she lost it the first time. Do we get a rematch at Hell in a Cell? Do we get a rematch inside Hell in a Cell? A lot of questions, but still satisfied that Banks is the new, for the second time, Raw Women's Champion. Absolutely a landmark match. If you haven't checked it out, go find it. It was incredible. It was every bit the main event it deserved to be, and that has nothing to do with gender. That has everything to do with talent. Watch that match. That is a picture-perfect example of the kind of wrestling that I want to see all the time from anybody. Perfect. Now, we're going to do quick NXT headlines, and then we're going to finish our coverage of No Mercy. The first round of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic kicked off this week with the Authors of Pain defeating the Bollywood Boys, new tag team forming just for the Tag Team Classic. You're going to see a lot of these new types of teams popping up, I feel. Really excited about this. Rich Swan uh, of the Cruiserweight division defeated a Patrick Clark that we saw from WWE's Tough Enough. Great to see Patrick Clark in the mix, getting a lot of uh, defeats here and there, but he's also he's also had great matches against uh, Hideo Itami. Austin uh, Aries. Austin Aries. Some big names, so expect to see a lot more of Patrick Clark and a lot more of Rich Swan. Definitely a, 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 a multi-talented presence across the WWE universe. Uh, Peyton Royce defeated Danielle Camella. I think I'm saying that right. Yep. Uh, and uh, also, Peyton Royce is just growing and growing as a competitor. Uh, she seems to be even that much more focused. When was her she? What was her last match? She was up. She against, hasn't been in a round. A round of it was. A while. It was a while, right? It's been a while. If she was the last around, she probably lost to maybe like Oscar. Or it, I believe like that. it was a loss to Oscar. Yeah, you're, I think you're right there. And uh, but that just shows you 
where her head's at competitively. Mrs. Poison Ivy, I believe, is her nickname. Yeah, yeah. She goes up against, you know, pretty pretty uh, hot competition. So I would expect to also see a lot more of her. Uh, we did see Samoa Joe um, uh, come out and interrupt uh, Dan Mathis' debut, uh, which is pretty much exactly what he promised uh, to general manager William Regal that he would be doing. And uh, I think the, the culmination of everything in the night and everything that's going on in NXT right now is definitely a focus on Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Um, the late, great, amazing Dusty Rhodes uh, is uh, basically immortalized through a c- true competition of pro wrestling athletes. And the epitome of pro wrestling athletes right now in the tag team division is the Revival. They hold the titles there at the top. They went against a very energetic and competitive Cedric Alexander and Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, what an c- incredible match. And, and especially knowing that the Revival have a much more straightforward style to that of Cedric Alexander and Andre- Andrade Cien. Still, the Revival came up with the win. They are, they are the focused tag team machine. And they are pretty incredible. What were your quick thoughts on the Revival's chances, not only beating Alexander and Andrade, but also their potential to win it all. What an embarrassment it would have been had the tag team champions been eliminated from the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic first-run match, and they didn't have easy competition. And Andrade Cien Almas and at Cedric Alexander, great showing. Love me some top guys. Great that they came out on top. Teasing some dissension. Not even teasing. It's outright dissension between Almas and Alexander. The Revival could go on to win it all, but we know for a fact that Alexander and Almas, their days in the Tag Team Classic have come to an end. And have only just begun the days of their new ruthless rivalry in NXT heading into NXT Toronto or TakeOver Toronto. Almas is hell-bent on proving to the WWE's or NXT Universe, I guess, that he's no joke. And he's going to prove that at Alexander's expense. And I, 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 I couldn't agree more that the, he, he has a streak in him that is going to be a lot more self-focused. Not selfish, but self-focused. Mm-hmm. And that is where he's going to be able to make his name. And I think that that is exactly what he needs to do to stand out from the rest of the high-flying, competitive competition that the new Cruiserweight division has now brought into the fold of what you need to prepare for as a competitor. Look at your size. Look at your strengths. Where do you fit in in the, in, in the main landscape of this, of this company? And seeing where you're going to go with that, I think he's got all the potential. Mm-hmm. But certainly Cedric Alexander is right there. He is. So he doesn't need to prove that as much as somebody like Andrade Cien right mm-hmm. now. But that's just right now. But we are going to quickly finish up here with our last and final thoughts on No Mercy. Nikki Bella is going to be culminating her feud with Carmella this Sunday at No Mercy. I have high hopes to see that smug look on Carmella's face completely knocked off. When, when when Nikki Bella finally gets her hands on a one-on-one scenario with Carmella. It's been a long time coming. Very excited for this match. The, the, I'm excited for the fact that for the first time in forever, it really feels like Nikki Bella has something to be fired up about. Not just fearless about. Not just her normal bubbly personality, which I do not mind. But the fact that she has made really good friends and amends with people like Naomi and has gone up to, to bat to support other people only to be have her, her legs cut out underneath her by Carmella. Only, you know, even, even Nikki wanting to challenge uh, uh, Becky Lynch for the title at, at, and being having her legs cut out by Carmella to, to completely put her a well in a way from any title picture. 
I think it says a lot about where Nikki Bella's competitive mind is right now. And I don't think you want to see that side of Nikki Bella. I don't think Carmella is really prepared to see the level of experience and skill and intensity that Nikki Bella can actually bring to a match. What do you think about that match? I mean, Carmella, she wants to make a statement. So she targeted the top dog, the longest reigning Divas champion in company history, Nikki Bella. And she's making a very big statement on SmackDown by upsetting Nikki at every turn. But can't she do it one-on-one on Sunday in their premier initial and their initial encounter on SmackDown at No Mercy? I don't think so. I think Nikki Bella takes home the victory, but... It's going to be a clash of different styles, to say the least, come Sunday. No Mercy is going to just have it all. It's as stacked as it gets. Uh, Finally, our tag team uh, match here against current champions Heath Slater and Rhino versus the newly formed attitude of the Usos. Uh, This is going to be uh, a big opportunity for the Usos to potentially uh, take away the uh, the spotlight from a desperate Heath Slater who still needs to to prove something to himself, his fans, and, and his, his kids. kids, and his kids. <laughs> I got, got kids. Kids got the guy's got kids. So, uh, do the Usos take that opportunity out of the hands of Heath Slater? Is Rhino focused on more political things in his life? Do these two have it together? Are they cohesive enough to take on a very focused Usos? I don't know. The Usos look more and more dangerous every time they step into that ring. And even going so far as uh, 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 on SmackDown, uh, it was uh, Jason Jordan actually defeated Jey Uso, but it wasn't without a heavy amount of contention and obviously an intent to injure. So because the Usos are out for blood, I think that the uh, uh, free-flowing antics of Heath Slater are going to be quickly undermined by the seriousness that the Usos now carry. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, the Usos uh, have the potential to become three-time WWE Tag Team Champions for the SmackDown brand. i got to agree. I think they make history on Sunday becoming the first ever both Raw and SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the first team to hold both sets of titles. But uh, as you said, Slater and Rhino are a cohesive unit, but the Usos, I have just never seen them more hungry than they are right now. Never seen them hungrier, so... I think they take the titles on Sunday. That's my prediction as well. Graham, it is fantastic. I cannot wait to catch up with you next week as we talk about everything that has fallen apart or come together out of no mercy. You have been listening to the all-star, five-star, WWE Review. I'm Tommy Sharp. This is Graham GSM Matthews. Listen to us at Next Era Wrestling Radio. No, next Era Wrestling.net. We are WrestleRant Radio. We will see you next Friday.